0: Shepherds here, uh, frequently absent, but I'm uh, one of the shepherds. And uh, if you noticed, or you will notice throughout the service this morning, uh, we want to really emphasize the power of God and the hope that we have in God. And so that's, that's, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, the commercial that's been running recently of, Le- of LeBron James speaking to his younger self. Uh, the scene is in his his teenage years bedroom and they're sitting on the, the bed and the adult LeBron James is talking to the teenage LeBron James about you know what's going to happen in the future. I think it's an interesting concept. But it got me to thinking, if you could go back, if I could go back two or three years and talk to ourself two or three years ago could we convince them of everything the magnitude of everything that's happened in the last couple of years i don't know that i could we're going to have this pandemic it's going to change the whole world the united states is going to lose a million souls uh, th- worldwide, it's going to change the way we work. It's going to change so many things in our, our lives. We're going to have a war in Europe that we don't know where it's going to end, but it's certainly not looking very good right now. I don't know that I could have gotten my mind wrapped around all of that a couple of years ago. And yet, we're living today and we see things that in this life we would have said even a couple of weeks ago, certainly a couple of years ago, I just don't see that happening. I just, that that seems awfully far-fetched to me. Every week, we get together and we celebrate something that no matter what happens in this life, gives us great hope. As Christians... We have hope that no matter what happens, we've got a God that is going to take care of us. And we know that specifically because he tells us in no uncertain terms. The book of John, the gospel of John, was written, most people think, was written sometime A.D. 80-something, mostly 80 after 85. Matthew, Mark, and Luke most scholars believe, was written sometime in the A.D. 50 and 60 time period. So John, most people believe that by the time it was written, he was an older person. And uh, he had the the, 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 the advantage of having lived a long time and having read the other Gospels and having seen what was going on in the world. And we know that John, when we think of John, we think of him being the gospel of love. And that is one of his main messages. And I'm going to read to you a passage that I will bet there's a part of this passage that you memorized. If you've memorized one scripture in the Bible, I'll bet this is is it. And I'm going to start out in John chapter 3, starting in verse 13, actually, a a little bit up. And this is obviously, um, most of us know that this is, this is, John, this is the account of, of Christ talking to Nicodemus. You know, can I be born again in my mother's womb? Uh, and Jesus answers him in verse 13, No one has ever gone into heaven except for the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. I've got to die on the cross, Jesus speaking, so that you, Nicodemus, and all of us can have eternal life. And then uh, Jesus speaks the passage that all of us are, are very familiar with. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son, That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world, condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What a fantastic hope and promise that we have in these words. That no matter what happens, God loves us so much. Why is that? I have no idea. But he loves us so much that he gave the most precious thing that he had so that we could be his children and we had the hope of eternal life. Pray with me, please. Dear God, we thank you for the the blessings that you have given us, this hope that you have given us through the, the death, burial, and resurrection of your son. Dear God, we know that we are totally unworthy for this, but we thank you for this gift that has been given. And as we partake of this bread and fruit of the vine, we ask that we do it in a, a way that remembers the sacrifice that, that you and your son made for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. commanded also to give back a portion of what we have been blessed with to God. And uh, Keith and I are actually going, Keith Stefanko and I are actually going to be kind of leading the discussion here in the the sermon portion of the worship. Uh, And we're going to be talking some more about this. But I think one of the things that we all realize is that we have been so richly blessed in so many ways. We don't have to look very far at all Uh, but certainly as we look across the seas we see how how richly God has blessed us and how in 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 so many ways so again we're gonna be talking a little bit more about this but um but we are thankful for the generous generosity of of this of this congregation in so many ways pray with me please dear God we we thank you for again the blessing of living in this land and the prosperity that you have given us and the material and physical and other blessings. Dear God, we know that, again, we don't deserve any of this, but we are, we are try to be as appreciative as we can of them. and As, as we uh, think about giving back a portion of, of uh, what is yours to back to you, we just ask a blessing on this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Rescue me from oh, the oh rescue me from oh, the oh rise up, Lord.
0: Tim is watching this. Uh, is it, are we on? All right. If Tim is watching this right now, he, he's thinking, I knew it would take two people to replace me. So. If you are pretty old, like me, you might remember in grade school hiding under your desk for um, nuclear war preparation. Anybody else remember that? I See there, we got some old people here. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking back on it, I don't know what that was supposed to do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we were doing something, right? Um, I can remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, I was about 9 or 10 years old, uh, and I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I knew it was serious because everybody was scared to death. Um, I remember, I think most of us, a lot of us remember the fall of the Berlin Wall and how surprising that was and unexpected. And it's like, okay, we, we don't have to worry about that part of the world anymore. And so, um, you know, that that's all good. And certainly the events of the last couple of weeks have, have shaken all of us. I know it's shaken me. Uh, I have watched more cable news in the last two weeks than I have in the last five years, I'll bet. Um, because we just, we just look at this and we say, how can that possibly be happening uh, Keith and I had the, the opportunity and the privilege to, to go to the Ukraine uh, within the last couple of years. And so we've got, a, we've got a little bit different perspective that we want to share with you about this. But I think what, all of us are asking this question, you know, that, that, that is up on the screen here. What do we do? As Christians, what can we do about this? And I would submit to you that there's a lot that we can do as Christians. And that's what we're going to talk about um, this morning. If My clicker works here. Now, I don't know how many sermons you have ever sat through, but I will guarantee you have never heard Vladimir Lenin quoted. (laughs) But… I've heard this, a co- I saw this a couple of times on cable TV and, and I thought, man, this this is really right, you know, and, and supposedly he said there are decades when nothing happens and there are weeks when decades happen. And that's exactly how I feel now. I feel like, you know, the, the, the earth has really shaken in the last um, couple, of, couple of weeks. Well, Keith and I, again, we had the opportunity to to be in the Ukraine, to meet some Ukrainian Christians, and we wanted to spend just a minute introducing you to these these folks that we met.
1: So when Randy and I left, we, we went from here to Detroit, to Amsterdam, and then flew into Kiev. And I have both spellings up there for you if you've been seeing that on the news. And uh, they say it, Kiev, we say it, Kiev, typically in the, in the U.S., um, your most part of that is probably Chicken Kiev, of which we asked about that in a restaurant there one night, and uh, they actually serve it. Um, and so uh, we flew in there. It was that little village is where we went first, and that was kind of the weather at the time. And um, we left from there to ivano Frankisk, which is more western and towards Slovakia. We have not heard um what the situation is in Ivano since all of this began. That's where the big medical school is that that we were working with. Um, But the conference that we were there for, it kind of surprised me when I got there that there were 27 different countries involved in that conference all going to that little medical school in the middle, to me, of nowhere, Um, and That's how a lot of these European medical schools operate. They bring in people from all over the world to attend those those schools to to get their medical degree. So my looking out onto that audience to preach one morning was very much a modern day take on Pentecost, I thought, with a twist, because we've been talking about Acts 2 at the end, but in the beginning, they were speaking and hearing in their own language. Everyone there knew English. And so I didn't have to know anything. I just talked, and they all understood me. And I thought, this is incredible. I may never get a chance to do this again. So this was our HMI team. Um, The the bulk of that group is Nashville. The Hillsborough Church of Christ up there, some Otter Creek folks, and some others that are kind of speckled around the the Nashville area. Um, And then this was the conference and as you will see there's a lot of faces that don't look Ukrainian Um, and we had hung flags of every nation that was there represented all the way around the room um, of which you can see some of those we grew pretty close to our team members from the US and also a lot of those students and part of uh, Gary Jenkins. Um, admonition to us was to keep up with them when we left um, via social media, email, whatever and we've been able to do that I have grown especially close to four of the people that are mentioned there or, or more um, Galina who was our primary interpreter um, she lives near where you saw the radio tower in Holocaust Museum that got hit she's about three blocks from there After that bomb hit, no one has heard from Galena. Olga lives in Kiev and is there with her husband and three daughters and her mother. His mom is in Ivano, where we were at. And they have hit the road. They're trying to get to the border. Our hope is that we can not only get her and her family to the U.S., but actually here to Brandon with us. I messaged her this morning and um, they were near Ternopil, if I'm pronouncing that right, with church members from Ternopil who had a car that were able to pick them up and get them from Kiev to there. And the the saga is ongoing. Aiden and William are uh, two uh, Muslim girls uh, that I've kept up with. Aiden is in Kiev. She's in one of those subway system tunnels with hundreds of others and says that the conditions are absolutely deplorable and scary, and I believe her. She's a, a beautiful young lady who I can't imagine having to be there alone. William is from uh, Morocco, and she made it out to Hungary, and then, I don't know, maybe she's on her way back to uh, Morocco. yurian is from Poland, but was in school going there, and if you attend school there, you become a citizen with your passport, so when he and his family tried to leave Ukraine to go back over into Poland, they're like, yeah, they can go, but not you. Um, you know, here, Here's a weapon. <laughs> um, and so it, the last I heard, he and his family decided to go back to their little dacha cottage in the middle of nowhere in Ukraine to try to wait some of this out. So here's Galena. And this is probably the best picture we have of Galena, because she worked very hard to stay out of pictures while we were there. (laughs) Um, She's a single sister. Um, I'm not sure if she's widowed or what, but she does have a son who is there, and she was very worried about him, too, uh, not hearing from him before we stopped hearing from her.
0: just, just as an aside, Galina's got one of the great conversion stories, you know, of all time to me. Uh, the story is right after the uh, uh, Ukraine opened up, uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union, she was, she was living in Kiev, and a, an older lady was a missionary from the United States, was on their subway system, their metro system, and went past her stop and was totally lost and got off at the next stop and is trying to figure out what's going on. And Galena saw her struggling there, went over and asked her if she could help, uh, got straightened out. The lady invited Galena to a Bible study, and that was the start of her Christian journey. So I grew up under communism. Just thousands of stories like that in the Ukraine.
1: You see my little parenthetical up there about lots of corruption. She was the one who also had to wheel and deal for us anywhere we went. So whether that was in major international airports, getting on buses, doing anything, it was always, no, you can't, then, well, if you do this, well, if you do this, and then finally, Okay, you can go. (laughs) So she knew how to do all of that and to speak their language and speak their dialect even more importantly if if you will, on how to navigate that. She was a lifesaver. So this is Olga. Um, She was a part of the dental program of the larger medical program and she is done and she would love to come here and practice dentistry. um, But we'll see. Um, I thought The the thing that really kind of imprinted her on my heart was when she interpreted a very long-winded sermon by the Church of Christ minister in Ivano for us, word for word, and I was like, man, that's awesome. (laughs) And uh, again, she's married with daughters, has family there, Um, and I put on there when at last I knew that uh, they were headed for the border. I do know they're near Ternopo at the moment. So Aiden, William, and Elam, uh, these are, again, three of the Muslim girls that are there. Um, uh, Aiden from um, Azerbaijan, she's also kind of a national pop star there that I come to learn over time. She showed me videos of, of her performing and things there, um, but very, very sharp. And Elam, the, in the bottom picture, is from Iran. She, from the whole time, from the time she was even in school there, wanted to come to the U.S. to practice medicine. But as you know, coming to Iran is almost a, a non-starter right now. That, that just doesn't happen. So um, I forget where she told me she is at the moment. She, she was somewhere there in Ukraine. Um, but uh, all three of them participated in all of our Bible studies, all of our worship. They sang things with us. They prayed with us. They had zero problem with the whole God-Jesus thing and have remained that way in my private conversations with them over the years. I'm able to talk about anything, and they're like, OK. <laughs> so despite the, the looks and the thoughts that we have about the, the Muslim community, they have certainly changed my view of that. And this is Jurgen. He's the young man from Poland I was mentioning. Um, he's, uh, he's Catholic. And as one of my favorite comedians talks about, he's not only Catholic, he's Shiite Catholic. So every time I talk to him and mention my views on God, he has a 16-page response of his view of it or whatever. And we go back and forth and back and forth. He's exhausting. Um, But he's super intelligent and a heart of gold, and uh, I don't know where he is at the moment. Um, And I'm hoping he's with his family there in Ukraine safe. He's actually dating, long distance, the girl that I taught my section of the medical program with, uh, Rhonda from Arkansas.
0: So, what can we do? Well, I think, you know, most of us realize there are are a couple of obvious things we can do. Um, The first thing we can do is pray, and we're going to be doing that this morning. We're going to be doing some pretty intensive praying this morning. It always, I know what we mean sometimes, but it always bothers me when when we're trying to accomplish something and it's not going our way, and we say, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. And what we should be saying is, we can pray. (laughs) That isn't all we can do. That's the main thing we can do. We know that prayer changes things. We have been given scripture after scripture. I pulled a couple of them out, but you know, they, they, obviously, there could, we could we could look at a hundred of them. Uh, Moses prayed that he could actually change God's mind. This is in Exodus, where where God was so fed up with the children of Israel, he said, "I'm done with this experiment. I'm gonna I'm gonna end it now. I'm gonna kill them all." Moses convinced him because of the promise that God had made the seed of of Abraham not to do it. And God changed his mind. So we we know that God's mind can be changed. Elijah prayed that it would actually change his situation. He prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years. And it didn't. Then he prayed for huge rain. And it did. And we know that that uh, we actually, in, uh, in our recent trip to uh, Israel, we stood on the mountain where, where that happened, actually. Uh, Jesus prayed like he could raise Lazarus from the dead, and he did. And we're all familiar with this story, uh, that um, Jesus went to the empty tomb, raised Lazarus after being dead for three days. Jesus said it, "We pray like it would change our situation, and it will. In John chapter 14, verse 13, John, Jesus promised us, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let me read that again, because this is important. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in in the sun. And as Christians, we have that avenue. God always. Uh, God also tells us that we can support those who are suffering people. Keith?
1: The, the rescue efforts that are going on over there, um, as many of you have heard, Poland in particular is, is receiving probably the brunt of that storm. But you have Romania... Moldova, um, Slovakia, all of those kind of western border sides that are trying to help. And of the efforts that we have coordinated in the the U.S., a lot with those national churches because of how long they've been embedded over there, um, there are two programs, Sea Star Kids that has been ongoing and Helping Hands International, a Church of Christ-based group that, that helps. We've already... Worked with these folks in the past and can trust uh, their diligence in doing so. But you have to imagine that those countries that are helping are overwhelmed, um, like the people who are trying to flee. Um, while they're not being attacked, they're in one sense suffering a huge. What do we do? <laughs> um, you know, our resources are being tapped too. So. In trying to help the helpers, um, that's a part of that. Also, uh, I was reminded when this whole thing started, uh, Brother Bobby Valentine, uh, who some of you know on Facebook, um, really kind of got to my heart in in saying a prayer for Vladimir Putin's heart. And I was like, oh yeah, pray for your enemies. (laughs) So...
0: Before Jesus left this earth, he gave us a challenge. And again, we remember this from uh, Matthew 25, verses 44 through 45. I know there's nobody in, a, in this room that I need to convince that we, we need to do what we can to, to help. But in Matthew, <clears throat> they answer, uh, this is after the separating the sheep from the, goat, from the goats. You know, I was in prison and you didn't visit me and so on and so forth. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you. And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Boy, I'll tell you what, we got some of the least of these that we're seeing on the news every, every evening.
1: So, again, uh, Helping Hands International has begun a very large effort. And that includes a family bucket project. Um, They've bought 10,000 buckets, which I'm picturing in my mind are kind of like the Home Depot bucket, (laughs) um, that they're filling with all the things that um, the people need over there um, for families. They also have a way of getting that there and getting it distributed to the border areas that that need it the most. Um, We are prepared if you are prepared to take whatever you would like to give towards that today but we're actually focusing it on next week so that you have time to think about it and uh, put together uh, whatever contribution you may feel uh, your family can afford and, and, and if you want to participate at all. Um, I would say that those faces are very dear and personal to me. so.
0: So what can we do? Well, the goal here is to fill, in the, in the physical part of this, is to fill 10,000 buckets, which is, which is a lot of buckets, uh, admittedly. That's going to require four shipping containers to get it over there. These shipping containers cost $7,000 to go over there, and so that's a, that'll be a total of $28,000. So, so there's, there's a financial need here that, uh, that we would very much like for Bay Area to be a part of this overall uh, need. The good news here, and I, I will tell you, and Keith, Keith, Keith and I will both give you our word, the dollars that we contribute, all of it will go to this to this effort. We have a lot of confidence in the people who are behind this. Uh, the gentleman uh, who is coordinating the shipping has been a missionary in the Ukraine for several decades. Uh, yeah, 30, 30 years, something like that. He is very very familiar with the the ins and outs of getting things to that part of the country, which is not. The simplest thing in the world um, the the individuals that that we're communicating with uh, have you know made countless trips 30 40 trips over the last you know uh, decades uh, there so there so they we are confident that the dollars that we contribute will be will go to the right place and it will be a tremendous help to some people that, that really, really need us. I, I, I was telling the elders in the, in the meeting uh, we had Sunday night, imagine a convoy of tanks coming down Martin Luther King. What would what, what, what we do? How do? And that's exactly what, these, these were just regular people that, that we met. These are just, just folks. They're Christians. They are every bit as committed to the, to the Lord as we are. And they're just going through some some terrible, terrible things. So, this congregation—I will tell you something. This congregation has always supported things like this, and and I I love you for that. I appreciate you for that. Um, I I know we've asked for a couple of things fairly recently, the uh, the tor- uh, yeah, tornado victims and that kind of thing. But again, this wasn't anything that we were expecting. So, if you can contribute to this. Um, we would, we, we, we feel strongly, the elders feel strongly that this is going to the right place. We are going to have a closing song, and then everybody stay right where you are after that closing song.
1: And yeah, as I told Olga that we were going to sing that song this morning, she goes, oh, that's wonderful. And my favorite song is uh, Bind Us Together, Lord, because she knew we were going to be meeting and talking about this. So. Yep. <laughs>